This is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Each Friday, we dig into the week's top headlines. This week, hospitals in New Hampshire are struggling with emergency room and ICU capacity as COVID cases continue to rise across the state. The governor has returned from a trip to Kentucky to learn more about how that state is handling the pandemic. And Democrats snagged a seat in the New Hampshire House after a special election in Bedford. Joining us now to talk about all of this and more are NHPR reporters Ali Pham and Josh Rogers. Good morning, both you both good morning to both of you. Hey Ali. Hey, good morning to you, Rick. Ali joins us by Zoom and Josh Rogers is here in studio with us. Good morning, Josh. Good to be with you, Rick. First, Ali, can you give us an update on the latest COVID numbers? You re- reported this week that New Hampshire is seeing a sharp uptick in cases among children. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Overall, I mean, we're seeing cases continuing to rise here in New Hampshire, as well as hospitalizations and deaths. And then when we zoom in by age for cases, what we're seeing right now is that around a quarter of new cases are kids, so people under the age of 18. And, you know, compared to previous surges, what we're seeing is kids are making up a greater share of these new cases. And That's not particularly surprising just because those under 12 can't get vaccinated and we are seeing low rates of vaccination, even for those who are eligible. And we know that right now, you know, since the first breakout case was discovered here in New Hampshire in January, around 97% of cases have been the unvaccinated population in New Hampshire. Yeah. And and as you said, vaccination rates, they're, they're, they're really stagnant. It's not really changing, is it? Yeah, I mean, they've they've been really plateauing. I mean, that could, you know, start to change with some of these mandates coming at the federal level that we saw President Biden speak on yesterday. But, you know, at least over the summer, they've they've been fairly flat. Yeah. Josh, Governor Sununu was in Kentucky last week to learn more about how health officials are handling the surge there. Can, can you tell us more about that trip and, and what they were hoping to accomplish with it? Uh, sure. Uh, the goal of the trip, which uh, wasn't announced until it was underway, was to you know learn how a state where uh, COVID is more present than it is right now in New Hampshire, a state with rural areas and smallish cities and, you know, therefore sort of putatively comparable to New Hampshire was hand, handling rising cases in the Delta variant. Um, you know, why Kentucky, um, you know, remains a bit unclear. We do know that HCA, the Hospital Corporation of America, the nation's largest chain of for-profit hospitals, which owns Portsmouth Hospital here in New Hampshire, uh, facilitated the visit. And, and we know that New Hampshire inventor Dean Kamen you know, supplied the plane and uh, joined the governor and others on the trip. And, you know, Dean Kamen's obviously been deeply involved with the state's sourcing of PPE. Um, you know, NHPR colleague Todd Bookman did some interesting reporting on that. Um, but in any case, you know, the New Hampshire delegation, which included you know, the state's chief medical officer and Health and Human Services Commissioner Lori Shibonette, spent about six hours in Kentucky. They visited two hospitals and held a meeting with uh, Kentucky's uh, governor, Andy Brashear, who's a Democrat. Are they going to change anything here in New Hampshire based on what they found on that trip? Well, the the governor and uh, Commissioner Shibonette said that the trip, uh, you know, has inspired, uh, you know, kind of a new emphasis in, in certain ways that, you know, they're going to redouble efforts to boost vaccination rates um, and to target cities and towns where vaccination rates are below 50 percent. They've announced that if hospitals end up hitting capacity, uh, the state's approach is going to be to create on-site surge centers, uh, essentially medical tents in parking lots rather than the standalone 
surge centers that were created and, you know, fortunately largely unused um, when the pandemic first hit. Um, and that they also said that the Kentucky trip uh, is going to prompt a new emphasis on therapeutic treatments, uh, you know, antibodies to, to ward off COVID. Yeah, uh, we did talk to Governor uh, Sununu yesterday. You'll find much more of that interview and, and what he had to say about the Kentucky trip online at NHPR.org. Allie, you talked with officials from a few different hospitals uh, this week. What did they have to say about the state's plans to handle a potential COVID surge? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like hospitals weren't already thinking about this prior to the Kentucky trip. You know, they absolutely were. But I did bring up actually two of the points that Josh just made um, to them to kind of see where their stance was. So one of those was those surge centers on site um, that Josh just mentioned. And to all of the hospitals that I spoke to, they were, they were basically like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. We actually wouldn't even have the staffing to, you know, staff a site that's, you know, at a gym a few miles away. We have to have this in our four walls. Um, and then the other point Josh, Josh had mentioned was pushing more COVID treatments, specifically monoclonal antibodies. And what these are, are these laboratory-made proteins that mimic the immune system's ability to fight off COVID-19, and they can help reduce severity of COVID-19 cases for people who are, you know, at risk. And these aren't new to New Hampshire, but we may be seeing um, more of them now. So Wentworth Douglas, for example, just finished its plan to roll out this service this week. They're expecting to be treating about three to four patients a day. Um, but they did tell me, you know, it's important to stress that while this can be given to patients who have contracted the virus and hopefully help them avoid a severe case, this is not like a, you shouldn't not get vaccinated because this is available. Um, so I spoke to Martha Wassel, the director of infection prevention at Wentworth Douglas about this. And here's what she told me. I will say that prevention is always better than cure. So she's really stressing here, like, keep masking, keep washing your hands, get vaccinated. Don't, you know, rely on the fact that now this treatment might be more available. Allie, what about capacity? What does it look like in hospitals right now? We're hearing reports that, that, that you know, beds are getting scarce here. Um, a hospital in Dover just announcing yesterday its, its ER is over 100 percent capacity as well. Yeah, so many hospitals across the state are at or near capacity. Um, the demand for emergency services is really high right now. And at least at this point, you know, it's actually not a lot of, of COVID hospitalizations. It's just we're seeing a lot of people coming in for that more kind of routine emergency care. And, and some of this could be, you know, um, a result of, of people having put off care during the pandemic and, and now are kind of maybe feeling those repercussions. And again, hospitals are short-staffed. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, staff are worn down. Yeah. Uh, and I know that we've had listeners asking questions about uh, booster shots. Do you have any updates for them? <laughs> I would say, like, hold your horses on that one. Um, booster shots are absolutely coming, but, you know, they're not here yet. The Biden administration had initially kind of put out a September 20th date. That timeline seems like it's getting pushed back. So um, they're on their way. Okay. This is Morning Edition from NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with NHPR reporters Ali Pham and Josh Rogers. By the way, you can let us know your thoughts and your questions about how the state is handling the pandemic by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org. We also welcome your voice message at 603-513-7790.
Josh, let's turn to uh, some other things going on across the state. Governor Sununu was hospitalized for a bleeding ulcer last week. He seems to be doing okay now. And we talk to him. What are you hearing? Well, I mean, you know, I know what he told you, which is that he's, you know, taking it a little easy, going to the state house somewhat, um, working from home more for, yeah. you know, for for the next few weeks at a minimum. But you know, the the governor's hospitalization followed his trip to Kentucky. Uh, you know, he received blood transfusions to treat the ulcer, which was diagnosed after multiple COVID nineteen tests came back negative. The the initial thought was maybe th- that he had COVID, and um, you know, all of this came in the wake of a cancellation of an executive council meeting last Wednesday when the governor, you know, said he was feeling ill. Yeah. He said that uh, things will be, business will be fine. Everything will go on as, as usual. Um, he's been promoting these Super 603 Tour events this summer. Can you tell us more about that, uh, the public events that he's been holding? Well, I mean, an ulcer is not going to stop Super 603, but, but um, <laughs> okay. you know, all summer long, uh, the governor's used, you know, largely as social media, but uh, the, the state's travel and tourism website also to promote the idea of having Super 603 days, which, you know, is basically encouraging people to explore the state, get out there and have fun. I mean, the, the, this notion coincided with um, the advent of widespread vaccination early in the summer as a way to boost uh, the tourism economy uh, in part. And, you know, Sununu's done a good deal of this exploration, you know, himself. And if you've really, you know, watched his his social media, which is something that, like, I have to do occupationally, uh, you know, at times you you might have gotten the sense that he was, you know, kind of a host of a boosterish, you know, local travel show. And, you know, more recently, uh, that sort of thing has uh, morphed into these uh, Super 603 thank you events. Uh, The first was a trip on the Conway Scenic Railroad. Um, he'll be at a Fisher Cats game next week and is going to be at an orchard in Walpole. And these events are free to people who sign up. And the governor says these are celebrations to thank the citizens of New Hampshire for essentially, you know, weathering the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, putting that aside and, you know, potentially the risk of having large gatherings. These are also not a bad way um, for a governor to promote himself as he weighs you know, which race he may enter. Sure. I mean, uh, part of it, of course, uh, being the governor is, is some PR, but also is he contemplating a run for Senate? He says he is. Um, and, you know, the the way these things are being paid for is interesting. It's it's a repurposing of inaugural funds. Uh, the governor's inaugurals were canceled uh, due to the pandemic. A lot of this money, you know, comes from corporate donors and the governors have a lot of leeway over how this money is spent. And, you know, you could argue that this, uh, while somewhat, you know, more self-serving potentially politically than an inaugural ball, is a more populist, egalitarian use of these funds uh, than what typically happens at an inaugural ball. Sure. Another political news, Josh, former Bedford town councilor Catherine Rombo would just want a seat in the New Hampshire House in Bedford's special election. I think she won by what, 37 votes, something like that. Is this a significant win for Democrats? Well, it, it, it's a single house seat, uh, one out of seven in Bedford. Um, you know, you noted the margin, and there will be a recount in this race. But you know, Bedford, particularly in state house races, is a is a pretty Republican place, and so maybe maybe this says. I know Democrats would argue that this says that uh, Democrats can leverage uh, Republican policies coming out of the state house, things on abortion, on school choice, among other things, into political momentum. Uh, even in a mostly GOP town. Um, and you certainly don't want to over-extrapolate from a single special election, but this result has definitely excited Democrats and, and frustrated Republicans a bit. Uh, we do have Republicans, though, uh, announcing um, runs for Congress, and who see this next year as a big one for them. Can you square square this up for us, Josh? 
Well, you know, traditionally the out party, um, the party not coinciding with the president uh, who, who's in the Oval Office uh, does well in midterms. Uh, certainly that's been the case in CD1, you know, which is the, the district we're talking about, the first congressional district now held by Democrat Chris Pappas. That seat is obviously bounced back and forth, kind of ponged between the parties. But, you know, since 2006, the out party um, candidate has won that race every single time. Uh, so there is that. And, you know, there's the fact that Republicans control redistricting and are likely to draw maps that favor Republicans. You know, Joe Biden's polling numbers aren't great. So Republicans are sort of galvanized by those sorts of things. Um, You know, in CD1, it's definitely the place where the maneuvering has been public. We have five Republicans running, uh, including Matt Mowers, who was the the, the 2020 nominee as as of yesterday. Um, We have another person who's filed and says she's seriously weighing a run, and that's Gail Huff Brown, you know, longtime Boston TV reporter, wife of... Uh, Scott Brown, former mm-hmm. Massachusetts senator, nominee here in New Hampshire in 2014. He uh, lost to Gene Shaheen that year. So you throw her in there. You've got six so far and probably more. And, you know, we don't even know if, if Chris Pappas is going to run yeah, for reelection or potentially seek another office or wait to see what the maps show when Republicans get done drawing them. Things getting interesting on the beat. Yes. And, you know, it, it's uh, even state primary day is still basically a year away. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot to happen between now and then. Absolutely. Well, we got to wrap it up in just a minute. Um, let's get back to you, Ali. I just want to ask you what you are watching in, in the next uh, coming weeks here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am kind of continuing to work on some reporting around COVID-19 testing, accessibility and cost here in New Hampshire. And you, Josh, what are you watching for the next week or so? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought about it too, too much. I mean, you know, uh, you know, there's always things going on. I'm just kind of looking forward to the weekend right now. Frankly. Yeah, I think I think you I think you speak for just about everybody in the room. Thanks, Josh, and thank you, Allie. Thanks, Rick. Good to be here, Rick. Get an update from both Allie and Josh. By the way, you can see much more of their work always at nhpr.org. Or, of course, just keep listening to your radio. NHPR senior political reporter Josh Rogers and our health and equity reporter Allie Pham. And you can tune in to Morning Edition next Friday to hear another round of the New Hampshire News Recap, where we cover the top news of the week always. I'm Rick Anley, and this is Morning Edition from NHPR.